Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Let's just uh, go into the Word of God tonight, and, and I hope and pray that we will be encouraged by what we will hear. But we're going to continue in our series now called By My Spirit, which is the third week of our series. And tonight I will be sharing on the theme of the danger of deception. I don't know if you've heard or you were aware of it in the news two days ago. The founder of the organization Nixium, which is a multi-level marketing scheme company that promotes self-development training for people to become a better person, stand on trial for a series of serious allegations. This company is considered a cult by many and has deceived so many people, including celebrities in Hollywood. You know what I'm talking about. If it's too good to be true, it's probably not true. Amen? And yet, so many still fall into the trap of deception. How many of us have received emails and SMSs on our phones that your number has been randomly selected and you have won 600 million pounds, not dollars, pounds. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've received those text messages and emails in your inbox. Almost everyone, you know, according to the consumer watchdog ACCC, Australians lost nearly half a billion dollars to scammers in 2018. And the figure is just a tip of the iceberg. It's more than that. A lot of people still fall into the trap of being scammed and being deceived And tonight we're going to continue on this series and we're going to explore just the danger of deception. And let's dive straight into our verse tonight. And it will be read uh, by Gary Lowe, just recently engaged. And so he's got a lot of energy and enthusiasm. So go for it, Gary. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Nothing to do with this, but yeah, sure. Thanks. (laughs) Acts 5, 1 to 11. Now, a man named Aeneas, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put them at the feet, put the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some, then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, 
the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these events. Very inspiring narrative, isn't it? What, a, what an inspiring passage, and the death of Ananias and Sapphira. And what, what, what do you do with, with a verse like this? The death of this couple seemed to be out of context in this series of chapters in the books of, book of Acts, especially if you start reading from chapter 2 through to chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of Acts, where we see the clear manifestation and tangible expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter got the boldness to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was transformed. He was changed. And the believers that received the power of the Holy Spirit that fell upon them was so bold in declaring what they believed. And many people actually came to know the Lord. And the church was birthed. And many people were healed because of the miraculous uh, manifestation and power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, uh, Peter Christophides was preaching in Acts chapter 3 about the healing of the crippled lame man sitting on the, uh, the, the, the city gate called Beautiful. Do you remember that last week? And, and it seems like in chapter 5, when you read this, it doesn't fit. Because in Acts chapter 4 verse 33, it really summarizes up everything up to this point. Where it says, with great power, let's have the verse there, Ed. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. Now where is the grace of this? If you look at into chapter 5. It is a picture of, uh, prior to this, it was a picture of a wonderful community of God's people. The gospel of Jesus was proclaimed. The resurrection was fresh news. It was breaking news. And then the media was still all over about the resurrection of Jesus. And there was abundant grace. And people were healed. And then now we have in chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, this very sad account of this couple. It seems like it does not fit in the narrative of the power of the Holy Spirit working in the midst of them. However, I think if you actually read through the preceding verse, especially in chapter 4, it makes sense. Because the verse before this was talking about the believers selling also their properties, their land, whatever possession they have. And they brought the money to the apostles' feet. And there's one particular person that did this that really kind of was highlighted by Luke, the writer of Acts. And his name was Joseph. He also sold his land. And he gave everything at the apostles' feet to be shared with every believer. Why? Because the community of God at that time was going through very difficult times. They didn't have much. And so therefore the way to, to solve uh, the issue of need is only by sharing what they have. It becomes communal. It becomes uh, almost like what you have is mine and what I have is yours. And we can see that in Acts chapter 2, that they shared everything in common. That was what was happening. And this man, Joseph, got the attention of Peter and the other disciples. Why? Because he sold his land and he gave everything to the apostles. And Ananias and Sapphira must have seen that. 
And they felt, and in fact, uh, you can assume that they had this conversation. Hey, Annie, what do you think? Joe did this. We should do it. We should do it as well. Why don't we sell a part of our land as well and, and give to help the believers, to help uh, the body of Christ? Let's do that. They had a conversation. They sold and they gave. But what, what, why were they punished? What was the problem? Where with, jo- with Joseph, his name was changed or called into Barnabas because uh, the apostles saw what he did and he was like... Wow, Joseph, you are Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What you have done, brother Joseph, what you have done, brother Barnabas, just really encourage all of us. Why? Because now we have this great need in the body of Christ. We have this great need as a family of believers. And you have brought and you have met that need. How incredible. You are a son of encouragement. And Ananias and Sapphira probably have this sense or feeling that they want to be identified like what Barnabas did as well. But the only problem is Ananias and Sapphira was actually moved by a different spirit. They were motivated by a completely different spirit. Barnabas was motivated by the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira, according to some commentaries and commentators and scholars, they were saying that they were both motivated by an unholy spirit. They were moved by a different spirit. And so therefore we can see here that the manifestation and the power of the Holy Spirit prior to chapter 5 was so real. And that was what's causing and moving the believers and Barnabas to move them into action was actually a different spirit moving here in the life and the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. And so tonight, I want to explore this and share with you three important guiding principles in looking at our faith journey so that we will not fall into the trap of deception. Principle number one. Examine your motivation. The end does not justify the means. You may have good intentions. I heard people say, "Ah, Pastor Jonathan, I want to give so much money to the church. And I want to buy Tats Loto. Is that okay? Good intentions. Maybe to help the church. Oh, we have a building fund. So I'll join. I'll gamble. Hopefully I will win. And then I'll give 10% to the church. Very good intentions. But let me tell you this. The end does not justify the means. Ananias and Sapphira had good intentions. But the way they have gone about it was the wrong way. Why? Because they were motivated by a different spirit. It was not similar to Barnabas' spirit at all. It was not the same spirit as the other believers who also sold land and gave money to the poor. Why? Because although they sold land and gave money to the disciples' feet, they did not give everything. Whereas the other believers and Barnabas gave everything. The end does not justify the means. You may have good intentions. I want to be in church. I want to be in fellowship. And so let's do a quick check and examine our motivation for being here tonight. Every Sunday afternoon. Why do we show up at 5.30? Why do we sing songs? Why do we listen to sermons? Why do we pray for one another? Why do we drink communion? Why do we do all these things? Is it because this is what we've always done? 
Or maybe because to please our friends and our parents. And so if we're absent from church, we don't want to be questioned on Monday and say, Hey, where were you yesterday? We didn't see you at church. Or you're here because you've got nothing better to do on a Sunday night. Or is it because you are here because you want to worship a risen Savior who loved you and died for you. And He wants you to be part of His family with your brothers and sisters so that we can encourage one another and pray for one another and support each other as we fulfill the purposes of God in our lives. Or are we just going through the motions? Are we here to truly worship our creator who saved us and sent his son for us? Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. As a worship pastor, one of the things that I am so constantly and regularly checking and examining being a worship pastor is that I want my worship to have substance. I want my worship to be authentic. I want my worship to, be, to have some kind of essence and being, having a, a integrity in the way I do things. And the only way you can do that is when you are in right relationship with God. Last Tuesday when I was speaking to the music team, I said, your faith journey is your responsibility. Not mine. Your heart is your responsibility. Your faith, your walk, your responsibility. And you know what gives authenticity with the people that stand here on stage and lead us on worship. And including myself preaching in front of you today. What gives authenticity of that is the right relationship with God. Nothing else. And so you can sing until the cows comes home. You can worship, lift your hand, but if your heart and the motives of your heart is not right. Hear God say to you, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Another way that we can examine our motivation is to explore whether they were really motivated by generosity or selfishness. You see, in verse 2, the word kept back in Greek is called nosphizomai, which means to separate for oneself or to withdraw covertly and appropriate to one's own use. In other words, the reason why they kept something is just in case what they've given runs out, we still have something in our jar. We still have some food. We still have some flour left for our household, for ourselves. That's why they kept back. And that is the, the, the word, the Greek word that Luke was using there. It's motivated by selfishness. When they kept back, it's basically saying they were being selfish because they were not being vulnerable and transparent before the believers and Peter and say here it is everything we have we give to the Lord it was generosity versus selfishness John Stott commented about Ananias and Sapphira and he said they wanted the credits and the prestige for sacrificial generosity without the inconvenience of it. So in order to gain a reputation to which they had no right, they told a brazen lie. Their motive in giving was not to relieve the poor and help the poor, but to fatten their ego so that they will be on equal standing with Joseph Barnabas, son of encouragement. What does that tell us? It is the sin of hypocrisy. 
pretending someone something that they are not. They were being hypocritical in their giving. You know, hypocrisy is a destructive force within the community of God's people. If Satan cannot destroy the church from without, he is going to destroy it and attempt to destroy it from within. And that's exactly what happened here. The second principle I want to share with you tonight is evaluate your actions. Evaluate your actions. Verses 3 and 4 says, Ananias, this is Peter confronting Ananias. Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? And then at the end of verse 4 he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. You know, our actions reveals our hearts. Our behavior reveals what is inside in our hearts. And you see it's very clear here in verses 3 and 4. When Peter said, Satan has so filled your heart with deception, with lies. And you see if you look at these verses here, we can see that there are two forces that exist. The demonic power or Satan... And the divine power, which is represented by the Holy Spirit. They said, how dare you allow Satan, the enemy, to fill your heart. And you have lied not to men, not to me, but you have lied to God. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. Can you see the two forces that exist? And brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not, if we're not careful, these two forces are always in tension in our lives. There's always this constant battle within us. To follow the influence of the enemy or to follow the inspiration and the influence of the Holy Spirit and God. In the case of Ananias and Sapphira, it started off they allowed the enemy to influence their thoughts. Ooh, what should we do, Ananias, Sapphira? Maybe we should keep something. Maybe we give 5% or maybe we keep 5, 10% or whatever. There was a discussion and then they acted on it. Alright, so first they talked about it, they allowed the influence, and then they acted on it, and then they lied. Can you see that? In other words, their disobedience right from the beginning was breeding another sin, another sin, another sin. And that is exactly what will happen to all of us. When we are being disobedient to God, even with just one single thing, it will always lead to the next sin. Why? Because sin breeds sin. Disobedience breeds disobedience. Can you see the pattern? The influence of the enemy here. The acting out of that influence. And then the lying that took place. And of course there's a fourth stage. The judgment. And that is why we need to constantly evaluate our actions. Because it will reveal our heart. Luke 6.45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You can almost say, for the, for the, the person and the life acts out what the heart is full of. Another thing that we need to evaluate in terms of our actions is to realize that every disobedient action has a consequence. Verses 5 to 10, we can see here that in this case, it was an immediate consequence. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. 
what a Sunday morning will that be if that was had to happen, that, that, that there was an immediate consequence. This story of judgment must ultimately open our eyes further to the grace of God in Jesus Christ towards us. God has sent His Son among us in order to restore us back to Himself. He's made us a new creation and made a new covenant and restored us through His goodness and His grace and sanctified each one of us so that we will not be destroyed. We will not stand upon the judgment of God. This should open our eyes to the grace of God. Psalm 103, verse 8 to 10 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Let me tell you this. If God deals with us according to our iniquities, if God deals with us according to what we deserve, none of us, including myself, will be sitting here today. If He will deal with us according to our disobedience, according to our sins. And so when we come across this one, where the consequence was so immediate and instant, and the wife was just a matter of hours, it should bring us to our knees and say, God, wow, Lord, this is what I've done this week. But you have not finished me yet. You have not judged me. You have not condemned me. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. And yet these are all the things that I have done. That is the grace of God, my friend. The reason why you and I are still breathing and sitting here today is because of the grace of God. We have been spared by immediate consequences of our disobedience and our action. Not because we are good, but only because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The third principle that we have to make, and hopefully this will help us, is to make a decision. First, you examine your motivation. Second, you evaluate your actions, your behavior, how you live. And then third, make a choice. Make a decision. Verse 11 It says, great fear seized the whole church and everyone that heard about what happened. You see, make a decision to fear God and not men. Fear God and not men. And the word fear here that Luke was using in Greek says phobos. This is where we get the English word phobia. But you see, the difference is for unbelievers... It is more of a sense of terror, trembling, and fear. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, it is a sense of reverence. It is a sense of respect. And it should be a sense of awe because of the holiness and the righteousness and the justice of God. That is the kind of fear that we should desire in our hearts. Not because God is this terrible, uh, judgmental tyrant having a big stick. Whack us every time we disobey and sin before Him. He's not like that at all. But the kind of fear that that Luke was talking about that we need to foster in our hearts is this fear and reverence say, you know what, I can't do this wrong thing because I really want to honor and I respect God in my life. This is not honoring to God if I do this. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit's power will become so active in your life. 
This is very personal, but I'm going to share this. Not family, so Janelle and Gabby and Jake and you'll be fine. Because they all said to me, any personal illustrations? And I said, no, not about you. I'm going to talk about myself. So when I was in fourth year high school, equivalent of year 12 in Australia, I had a best friend who kind of like fancied me for so long. She liked me so much to the point that as we were talking, it was just the two of us. She said to me, Jonathan, I really, really like you. And I want to have a child with you. What she's saying was like, you want to have sex with me? Yes. That's exactly what she did. Now, you know, teenagers, 15, 16, 17, hormones are rushing. And in my mind and in my hormone, I go, great. Awesome. Come on, let's do it. No. And as I was processing this unsolicited offer in my mind, I was just like, is this, is this honoring to God if I say yes to this offer? I might have fun for like maybe five seconds. I don't know. <laughs> but is this honoring to God? And I kid you not. As soon as I started pro- processing and say, is this honoring to God or not? My whole body started to shake. My whole body started to shake to the point that it was, the, 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 the shaking was so strong that I walked out of the room and never spoke to her again. Never spoke to her again. It's my way of saying thanks, but no thanks. That was, that was the way, because I asked the question, if I do this, is this honoring to God? Is this being respectful to this person? You know, when we actually start to process, rather than just jumping straight according to uh, the feel and the emotion, it feels good, come on, let's do it. You know, just step back and go, ask yourself the question. And you go, is this honoring to God or is this dishonoring to God? Is this honoring to this person? Am I being respectful to this person or not? Or am I just taking advantage? Or should I take advantage of this opportunity that we may, will come just once in a lifetime maybe? It may even come again. But if we begin to process and allow the power of God to make, uh, manifest its work in us, He is going. He is going to be there for us and meet us. And that shaking, I can still feel it, was so strong. Walked out and said, no thanks. That's the kind of phobos that Luke was talking about here. Not not, not uh, uh, you know, like because God's going to punish me if I do this. Or God, no, it's not like that. But the kind of phobos, phobia, fear that Luke was talking about is this overwhelming sense of reverence, respect, and awe of God. Awe of God. Now, in this case of Ananias and Sapphira, there was another similar account in the Old Testament, especially found in Joshua chapter 7, which is the account of the sin of Achan. When Joshua was leading the Israelites and they conquered Jericho and the instruction was, you know, do not take any plunder from this city. You are not to keep anything or take away from this city. And this guy, one of the, our soldiers, Achan, cannot help himself. 
You know, grab something, kept something. And you can see if you read in Joshua chapter 7 that Achan also uh, was uh, being punished to death immediately. And as a result of that sin of Achan, Israelite was defeated in their next battle. And you know, sometimes in life there's full of battles. And our next victory is dependent on our previous or preceding obedience to the Lord. Our next victory is being preceded by our submission to our most holy God. And then you might wonder, why do I, why I haven't experienced any victories at all in my life? Well, maybe ask yourself another question. Have you been obedient or disobedient? Why? Because your next victory, your next breakthrough is just one obedient, one step away from that. Fear God and not men. And the last one is that make a decision to follow the Holy Spirit. The holiness and the sovereignty of God demands respect. The Lord loves us when we can love Him because of His grace shown in Jesus Christ. In other words, the way that we love God is out of the response to what He has already done for each one of us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is no longer with us, but the physical Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is with us. And it is the Holy Spirit that will awaken our stubborn hearts. Didn't the New Testament said that I, I will no longer give you a heart of stone, but I will give you a heart of flesh? And this heart of flesh is the very heart that will get awakened by the power of the Holy Spirit if we allow to follow Him. In Romans 2 verses 8 to 10 says that for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be no wrath and anger, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. You know, the Heidelberg Catechism teaches that there are three criteria for any work to be considered good. Can we have that, um, Ed, please? It says, it, it's considered good if it arises out of true faith. Second criteria, if it conforms to the word of God and the law of Christ. And the third, if it is done for the glory of God. Clearly, what Ananias and Sapphira was not something that was done for the glory of God, but instead for the glory of themselves. Only under the influence of the Holy Spirit will anyone meet these criteria for anything we do to be considered good. So in Psalm 103 verse 10 it says, The Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That is the grace of God. And you know, when we ask the question, why did Ananias and Sapphira experience death instantly? I don't have an answer to that. And no Bible scholar has an answer to that other than the answer to that question belongs to the Lord. So that might be the first question you want to ask God when you see Him face to face. But you see, God's desire is that as I, as I ask the music team to come and lead us in our final song, and let me just wrap this up now. Uh, if we allow to follow and be obedient to the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Each day that we wake up and do our daily business will be a recognition of God's grace. 
Every day is a day of grace, a day to bring glory to God by repenting of our sins and asking His Holy Spirit to guide us in everything we do. God is sovereign and He is holy. He fills us with His Holy Spirit and in turn becomes using each one of us to be instrument of His love and His grace to other people. And that's exactly what happened to the early church. They have become Channels and conduits of blessing. Not just blessing, but the gospel spread out. Because they have allowed themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so therefore they have become instruments of spreading the gospel. Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian, said this. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which... Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out mine. Everything belongs to the Lord. So let me ask you these three questions as we process this message. I want you to personally consider this question seriously. The first one is this. Am I giving the enemy a foothold in my life? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything crazy, embarrassing like that. Just ask yourself the question. Am I giving the enemy a foothold in my life? Am I honoring God with my finances, with my time, with my talents, with my gifts, with everything that I have, my possessions? And number three, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me? Let's bow our heads together. Gracious and loving Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, your compassion, your faithfulness. As good as they are, Lord, we also want to recognize that you are all-powerful, you are sovereign, you are the creator of the universe. You are a holy God, you are righteous, and you are just. God forbid, prevent each one of us just to focus on the one aspect of your character of love and mercy and grace. But help us to balance that tension with the holiness of God in order to have the full understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason why Jesus died on the cross is to pay for our sins because no single sin can coexist with a holy God. And so, Father, as we follow you, as we journey through this Christian life, Lord, help us to balance this. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, enable each one of us to be led, be controlled by your Spirit, O Most High. You are holy, you are just, you are righteous, and you are also loving, compassionate, faithful, merciful, and forgiving. Praise be to you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 one triple seven. 
Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.